Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Rain here from Tom's Big Spider. So that spider from last week actually made a it webbed up the whole area around the arm I have my microphone on. So that he's becoming like my guest podcast host or something because I can't seem to get rid of the little guy, but I just had to kind of shoo him down towards the desk that the arm is mounted on so he'd go away. Apparently, he did not like the new home that I gave him in the Pothos plant. But anyway, today's episode, we're going to be talking about feeding and feeding responses and the tarantulas that I have with the best responses. This series, we have a series of questions here. As I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, I think Billy put out a post on Tarantula Talk about possible podcast topics because I was trying to put some stuff together to have them planned out in advance because I'm going back to school and time's going to be a little more difficult to come by. And Jennifer Thomas came up with a series of three different questions that all kind of surround the really crazy feeding responses, food motivated tarantulas, and how to house or how to you know carefully work with a tarantula that's particularly food motivated. So we're talking about the ones that sometimes I you know I've had spiders that I go to turn around, I take off the top of their enclosure, I go to turn around, the spiders poise right on the end of the container because somehow it knows it might be food coming. I've had a couple that I, when I feed them, they I can't really do maintenance in the enclosure safely because they're going to respond to that, and we'll talk about that a bit. So let me just go through the three questions she posted, and then we're going to take them. We're going to kind of do a little list, a fun list, and then afterwards we'll do something a little different. Instead of just stopping with the list, we'll go into a couple of these other questions. So her first question was, species you've kept that have had the best or craziest feeding responses. I can't believe I've never done this one before because I do have some that really have, and some of the spiders aren't ones you'd normally think of as far as spiders having those really outrageous feeding responses. Number two, and I've gotten, I've received this question a few times lately, so it seems to be something some folks are encountering. Thoughts on how to manage a species with an intense feeding response without it bolting out of the enclosure. And she says, for example, my age Aniculata came bolting out of the top of her terrarium in anticipation of a cricket, even though I had nothing to feed her and was only going to fill her water dish. I've also tried using crickets as a distraction and then trying to do maintenance in the terrarium only to have my tea try to eat the tongs with a mouthful of crickets. So that is something that I do a lot. And I mentioned, I was almost reluctant to mention it in a video I did with Old World Species because I was waiting for people to jump all over me and go, that's dangerous. But I've had very, very good luck with certain species where you feed them, you stuff them up, they start doing their little tarantula happy dance at one end of the enclosure, and then at the other end of the enclosure, I'm able to pull out water dishes, I'm able to, able to pick out boluses, I'm able to work in the enclosure without worry of the spider coming at me. So that works great when it works. Obviously, if it doesn't work, or you have a spider that's going to be at one end, it's got a cricket, feels the webbing move on the other end, and it charges, that's not going to be a good thing. So We'll talk a bit about that. And then her third question is, are there different types of terrariums that you've had experience with that would suit a food-motivated species better than others. My tarantula has a top-opening terrarium, and the lid will slide all the way off the enclosure, which could increase the chances of escape and potential injury. So, Jennifer, thank you so much again for the questions. I appreciate it. And this was a good one because it's kind of it's going to allow me to do some fun stuff and then do kind of the serious stuff where we talk about, all right, what do we do in these situations? And as I mentioned before, I've had some folks lately say, what do you do in these situations? I've only had it happen a couple times where a spider has kind of charged out of an enclosure after prey. It can startle the best of us. It's not something you want to happen. It could end up not so much with you being in danger. That wasn't the thing I was worried about. I was worried about the spider shooting off the table and landing on the floor. I've seen videos out there of folks who are screwing around with cameras trying to 
feed their spiders and the spider overshoots the prey at them, it drops right on the floor, dead spider. So we always want to avoid that. So let's start it off with top feeding responses. I struggled with this a bit because I have a lot of spiders that have really good feeding responses. So what I did is I kind of came up with my own criteria as I normally do when I do something like this that would allow me to weed some of them off the list. And so the first thing I looked at is always takes prey. I have some species of tarantulas and some specimens that on some days they're animals. They bolt out, they grab crickets or grab multiple crickets or sprinting around and then on other days they freak out and they get scared and throw up a threat posture or they're not they won't eat in front of me so i'm looking for the ones that i know if i open up this enclosure if said animal is not in pre-mold it is going to eat the prey it's going to take the prey I also looked at ones that hit like trucks. So what I mean by that is the ones that really get into it when they grab it. I have ones that you can drop a couple of crickets in front of them. They'll grab them up. It's cute. They scuttle around a little bit. They grab them with their pedipalps and, and they eat them and it's good. But then I have ones that really go at them, especially if you give them larger prey items. So I took that into effect. And then I kind of give brownie points for ones that are just fun to watch. These are the ones that are fast. Ones, I have ones that have bolted across enclosures to grab prey, which is always thrilling. I've had some that barrel whirl. I have some that shoot out of their webbing, grab the prey, and then quickly disappear back in the webbing, which I always love. So these are ones that fit those criteria. So if I looked at the spider and I went, well, the other day it, it did this awesome thing where it came out, but then I look at it and the last time I tried to feed it, it was kind of laid back or it didn't take the prey right away, then I kind of took it off the list. And as always, when any, every anytime we do one of these lists, I always like to offer up the caveat that your experiences might vary. I'm not saying if you pick up this species, a tarantula, you are going to have this stone cold killer who's going to bolt across the enclosure, barrel roll, flip over six times, jump up in the air and bolt back to its webbing. Not necessarily. These are just ones that represent my personal experience. I can point to ones on here and I probably will as I go through my list that are ones that I've heard many other folks back me up that this is something that is kind of species-wide, a trait for that species. But please understand, I'm not telling you that every single one of these spiders, that uh, any of the ones I mentioned, are going to be like that. They're all different. That's a fun thing about tarantula keeping is you have those outliers. You have the ones that don't necessarily fit that general description you hear, and that's totally normal. So I'm not, uh, it's not anything to get upset about. I always have to put that in there because there's always somebody that does it, and it just makes me feel better when somebody comes back and goes, not usually with a podcast, usually more so with the videos. You guys have been great. But every once in a while, I get an email, well, I'm surprised you said that because mine you know, one of the worst eaters I got. That's great. But if you talk to other folks and sometimes it's species that like uh, that I've raised several of, then the majority of folks will say these are fairly great eaters. So just to put that one out there, just in case, because again, these are for fun. Anytime I do any type of list, it's always for fun. And as with most of my lists, I don't, I put kind of an order down there's no real order to it. Any of these guys are fun to watch on a given day. Now, before I get into the list of tarantulas that I keep that are the most fun, crazy feeding responses, I have to say that my Linotheli species and my Diplurati species might be my favorite things to feed right now, even above most of my tarantula species, just because it's so much. They hit so fast, so hard. Those legs flopping all around. They bolt out of their little enclosure, their little web dens, grab the prey at them. They're back in the blink. I love watching 
watching them hunt. So I know I keep talking about them, but the nice thing is I did the podcast on it, I did a video on it, and a lot of folks are checking them out, and a lot of folks are coming back to me going, I never would have checked these out until I heard you talk about them. I'm so glad I did, and I think that's the boat I was in with them. So number one, my favorite thing to watch right now is feeding responses are those, but here are some of the other species or tarantula species that I keep that have particularly good, fun feeding responses. Number one on my list we have a spider that pops up quite a bit when I do lists because I love this little girl. Cryptodromus species Costa Rica or the Black Amelia. I picked one of these up as a sling years ago. Teeny tiny sling, knew next to nothing about it. It was kind of one that was sent to me like, oh, here's a fun species to try out. I did some research. Immediately was impressed by this little sling, how well it ate. It was one that I did allow it to scavenge feed at first. But once I put on some size, I would drop in the little red runner nymphs that I love using for my smaller slings. And this girl was amazing, an amazing hunter from day one. She burst out, grabbed these little guys, and bring them in. And as she put on size, one of the things that they're called Black Amelia because a lot of people think they resemble Brachypelma Amelia, and I can definitely see that resemblance. And I think with Brachypelma, which is not always the case, I think they get an unfair reputation sometimes for not being great hunters. I've had a lot of good luck with my Brockies being excellent hunters. So let's not shortchange Brockies here. But you don't normally think of when you say heavy hitting hunters, the ones that are going to go out there, blast out there, grab it. You normally don't think of Brachypelma. So as this girl grew up and she kind of looked like a Brachypelma or a Fonapelma species, I expected that type of feeding response. I mean, they'd eat and they'd eat well, but not anything amazing. But this is one of the few spiders that I have. And I've mentioned this before that when I bring her enclosure out to feed them, because I take all my spiders enclosures off of the shelves, put them on my table when I do feeding and maintenance. When I take her down, she comes out of her burrow and stands there very bold and just almost and again I don't know if she's can you condition spiders to do this I've seen some anecdotal evidence from in my own collection others that they can sometimes they seem to start to pick up the fact that when the cage comes down and opens there may be food involved whether they're sitting there thinking I've got a meal coming or simply that type of stimuli is causing the spider to just move out because it's something inside of it's telling it. It's, I don't know how it works. But this one will come out and sit there right out in the open, and she will hunt. Like if I drop something, some of my spiders, I drop stuff right in front of them, and you know they grab it up, or this, the thing will run away, and they just kind of sit there for a minute. I have watched this one actively chase things around its enclosure, which is so much fun. So she's also another one that if she's in the mouth of her enclosure, and I drop something somewhat near, and it starts walking away from her, she will charge out and grab it. I've seen her charge out a few times at prey, which is a blast to watch. So she eats great. She's taken down multiple crickets at a pop. Never had a problem with her eating, which is awesome. Again, we have brachypelma in mind when you're seeing this. And again, not a brachypelma, but it just resembles one. You, you're kind of expecting to be one that, yeah, it'll eat if it drops in front of it. It's not going to go out hunting stuff. It may have days where it doesn't eat because, you know, brachies she's just a stone-cold killer when it comes to hunting. And because she's kind of a smaller spider, she's only about three inches or so, maybe three and a half, I think probably closer to three, it's just so cool to see that type of behavior. So she's one that I would put on this list because she is one that I enjoy feeding. She's one that, so for example, just to show you how much I enjoy feeding her, the other day I've been doing a little, I think I've explained before that with my feeding schedule, I've backed off a bit from doing the just feed everybody once a week thing. I now feed bigger meals to certain spiders and then give them a few day, or a few weeks off. I now have a uh, concentrate every time a spider molts, I mark it with a piece of right now it's really low tech. I should have post-it notes, but I lost my post-it notes. I use a piece of wrapping paper and tape to let me know that I'm going to feed that one a few more times. So I'll feed that one weekly until it gets a little size on it. 
Anyway, it wasn't her day to get fed, but I saw her sitting out there, so I took it down, tossed the roach in, watched her chase it around just because I enjoy feeding her. So, Cryptodromus species, Costa Rica. I talked to other folks. Last time I talked about the species, they said they love theirs, and theirs are good eaters. Love watching this one hunt. Love watching this one eat. And again, one of my favorite spiders in my collection. Now, for the next spider on this list, I had an old female that recently passed away that I'm still kind of gutted about. I love this girl. She was just such a good spoke spider, is that a thing, for this particular species because it gets a bad rap. I now have, I believe, six others that I'm raising up. They're like young adults. They all fit this bill. I'm talking about Tarina Kylis, Murinus, or the uh, infamous OBT, and we're talking about the orange color form here, the fiery ones, although all the ones I have have eaten really well, but love feeding my Pimeras. My female was a blast because she was like... Literally, I don't want to say pet rock because she'd move around, but she wasn't a particularly active spider. She webbed herself up a nice den. She would sit right at the mouth of that den. And then when feeding time came, she would just she'd sit there super calm until I dropped a cricket or a roach in and she'd go nuts. And I remember some of the most fun I would have was I would drop the crickets purposely or the roaches on the outside of her webbing and watch her come and hunt them down. It was just so much fun to watch. To she you could see her freeze and she'd detect through the vibrations in the webbing, where the spider was coming from. Next thing you know, she'd skitter that way. She'd wait a second. The thing would move again. She'd skitter. It was just a blast feeding her. And now I have the other ones. Same thing. They're actually very, very coy, shy spiders. I have to rehouse all of them. They're in containers right now. I'm, I'm disproving my own theory because I've always said these are spiders. If you give them enough room, you won't have any issues with them. Right now, I will call myself out. I'm looking up at their containers. They need rehousing. They've outgrown their containers. The containers are too small, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to put them into next. I've got some ideas because it's probably going to be their adult homes. But even with the containers being too small, they've been total sweethearts, but they're awesome eaters. I love, and I think part of it for me is I love the color of them. I love the appearance of them, and watching them, those fiery spiders, just jet out of their dens, grab the paratums, scarf it up, and then I just love watching them calm down and do their little tarantula happy dance, right? The other day, I fed all six of them. And I came back later on, all six of them were doing their little tarantula happy dance right at the top of their enclosure. So love watching them hunt. There's nothing like seeing that blur of orange as they burst out of the webbing and grab them. And again, they do, most of them are heavily webbing species. And I think there's something extra fun when you feed the ones that web, because that's when you get the hunt. When you drop a roach or a cricket into a an enclosure where there's maybe a burrow at one end, your water dish in the opposite end, and maybe not a lot around, maybe not a lot of webbing. Usually what happens if you drop it right up in front of the spider, the spider grabs it up. No problem. Sometimes you drop it in front of the spider, the thing runs away and the spider doesn't ex- actually chase it. It just kind of sits there and waits for it to wander close by again, which is normal. Um, I think with the webbing, what's cool about it is the ones that web, they've got their feet on the webbing. They can feel those little vibrations and it allows them to actively hunt. And that's what's fun to watch with spiders. I think that's why I like feeding my Diplodi species so much is because it's an utter blast to watch them exercise those natural hunting skills. So Tarina Kylis, Miranus, OBT, one of my favorite species of all time. And just part of it is because they're so hardy. Part of it is because they're so beautiful. And part of it, which landed this one on this list, is because of the fact they are such good hunters. And I do wonder that for some people, you know, again, they are, they can be a defensive spider. Let's not take that out of it. But I do wonder in some cases if people, when they are, I know a lot of folks are into tong feeding and you drop the prey at them right in front of the, the, 
spider and you wait for it to grab it. I wonder if some of the instances of quote-unquote aggression are just from that feeding response. There's going to be another species we're going to talk about on this list that's the same thing that after talking to other keepers. I mean, when I first got into the hobby, I heard how quote-unquote aggressive it was. But after raising my own and talking to other keepers, I wonder if a lot of that quote-unquote aggression isn't just an alert spider with a really good feeding response. So, that's when I, and, and the funny thing, speaking of feeding responses and speaking of Jennifer's original question about ones that maybe overshoot their mark or end up out of an enclosure when you're feeding them because they've got such good feeding response. Remember my female was the one that years ago I posted a video of. She was in a, I forget if it was, I think it was one of the gallon mainstay jugs or the half gallon mainstay jugs and she had webbed it all the way up and I dropped a cricket in and I was trying to get her to get, come up and get the cricket. She hadn't sensed it yet. And then I must have blown on the webbing and she went past the cricket and came right out of the enclosure. Like it was not too far from my face because I was kind of blowing on the webbing like a doofus. But that was one that had a great feeding response that almost uh, you know bit me in the butt, so to speak. I don't think I would have gotten bitten, but she was actively hunting that cricket. She heard and she felt the vibrations from my breath. She came out toward where the vibrations were. Unfortunately, that was past the cricket and towards me. So definitely on my list of my favorite ones to feed and watch eat, Tarina Kylis, Miranus, or the OBT. All right, so we're going to have a couple on this list that, quite frankly, I could just envelop the whole genus and say all of them are great eaters. And this is kind of one of them where I've raised up a few species of this genus. However, I have a couple that are so skittish that as, as slings ate really well, but then they got that really skittish juvenile and young adult stage that sometimes I will open up, they will stress, stress posture in a corner and they won't eat in front of me. So I'll drop crickets and stuff in and they don't immediately go after the crickets or roaches. They kind of sit there. So those came off the list. However, one that I've been feeding lately that I've been having an absolute blast feeding. And this is again, pick Pick your species out of this genus because I'm sure a lot of you guys will have other species in this genus that work for you. Pamphibedius mascara. I got this little sling recently and I am having so much fun feeding her. Right now, she's in one of those M Design containers. They're like clear acrylic and they have a hatch on the top that I like to use for my larger slings or smaller juveniles. And she's molted twice already. I'm saying she could very easily be a male. And if it is, it'll be great because it'll be purple and beautiful. But anyway, I love watching this one hunt. I love the Pamphibedius when they're at that size because they're so gangly and they move, they use those legs for those bursts of speed that are just amazing to watch. And that's why I love sometimes when people talk about old world species and how old world species are super fast. And then there's some of these new world species, especially the big tropical ones that can boogie. So the other day, for example, I dropped in, it was one of those deals where you're, I've got a little uh, roach and I'm holding it in my tongs. I'm like, is this roach big enough or too big? Should I give it something smaller? And as I was doing it, the roach kind of broke free, dropped in and this thing grabbed that roach and it rolled like three times with it was laying on its back trying to get final purchase with its pedal, you know, grab the roach up, wrap it up a little bit, finally righted itself. And yeah, it definitely wasn't too big for the spider, but I love watching it hunt. I actually fed it today before the podcast. And it, again, it bolted across the enclosure. Those the ones with the long legs, they can boogie, bolted across the enclosure, grab the roach in a heartbeat. It's just so much fun to watch. And I've raised obviously other Pampho species, my Pamphibedia species, Duran's, once upon a time, from sling to juvenile stage, really good hunters. And then as they got older, they got a little more skittish, a little more shy. So sometimes you wouldn't eat. In front of me, my Pamphibetus antinus. Sometimes she's one of the ones that when I open her up to open up to feed it, 
she I will drop stuff in and she'll wait a bit to attack. Usually after I get the top back on and get her out of the lights. Every once in a while she'll grab one in front of me, but not always. And then my uh, Pamphibedius chicken spider, same thing. She will usually hide in her burrow and occasionally I will catch her, come out and grab something. But if she's out and about, she's usually scared because I caught her out and about. She will freeze up and she won't hunt. So that's why those didn't make the list. But other people probably have ones that are a lot more bold. I've just had this luck with my Pamphibedia species that they're not particularly bold. They don't like being caught out in the open like other spiders we're going to see here. So I'm sticking with the mascara on this one only because at this point in time, She's bold, or he or she's bold, sits right out in the open, and is just a joy to watch violently launch itself at those crickets and roaches and subdue them. So next up, we have a species that appears on the vast majority, I'm mean, probably just about every beginner tarantula species list that's ever been made, and I don't think they get enough credit for the fact that they can be excellent eaters and excellent hunters. Now, the first two that I had, I bought a sex male and a sex female. Male ate pretty good. Female did okay. I think when I got her, she ate like once and then buried herself and then took a little while to eat, and she'll eat, but she's not like something that knocked your socks off. However, way later on, I picked up a sling of another, you know, basic region, regional variant of this species. And that one in particular became one of my favorites to feed. And I'm talking about my Tlitlcoddle albopelosis or Nicaraguan curly hair. Now, the first two species I picked up of the T. albopelosis were the hobby form. Then I picked up the Nicaraguan, which I was immediately enamored with because even as a tiny sling, this thing ate like a champ. Like we're talking, would run out, subdue things. It was just a very, had a very strong feeding response. And that only got stronger as it put on size. So this was one that even as I remember it being like, I'll say an inch and a quarter. So I dropped in a large cricket once. And most of the time I found with my little coddle species, my Brachypelma species, my Gramostola species, when you drop in prey that's a little bit large from, they tend to back off of it. This one did not back off it. It hunted, it fought and hunted and subdued this cricket like a champ. So for a long time, one of my favorite spiders, absolute favorite spiders to feed because of the feeding response was amazing. And I'll admit, I like it when I get those really violent feeding responses from the beginner species. It just somehow, it makes it even more entertaining to see them hunt like that. Now, unfortunately, this one did end up maturing and it's a male. I still have it. It's been matured for, oh, since before we moved to this house. So it might not, I think it was right after we moved here. So probably about two years now. He still eats well. He's a little slow. Uh, it, it's, I think he's getting older. He's slowing down a bit. But once he detects prey is there, he does go at it with a vengeance, which is, he's still fun to watch. But all through as he grew up, he was just an amazing spider to watch. And I've spoken to other people too that were, and again, other people have the hobby form albopolosum or the, uh, the albopolosus and theirs eat just as well. So it, I think T. albopolosus on a whole, a lot of folks will say theirs are great eaters and we want to make sure they make it on this list because A, mine's a good eater and B, there's going to be people listening to this list. They're looking to get their first tarantula and this might be something that puts them over the edge. Like, hey, you know what? Not only does it have the funny curly hair, but it eats great. So T. albopelosis, definitely one of my top eaters as far as my spiders were concerned. Next one on this list, another one that sometimes makes it to the beginner's list, just recognize that as slings, they are super fast. They can have a bit of toot as adults. They are fast as adults. So that's something to keep in mind because again, are they manageable? I think so. But 
a lot of folks, the first time they experience how fast spiders can really move, even if it's a beginner species, don't get me wrong. The beginner species, Rockies, the Fonapelma, the Gramostolas, when they're motivated, they can boogie. But this species I know with slings, I remember I got a, a bunch of them in. I ordered from Fear Not years ago in my first batch when I had three of them. And they said, oh, be careful, they're fast. And I think the first one I tried to rehouse, it proved why those warnings were on there. They are fast. I'm talking about the Licopheli diamantinensis or the Brazilian blue dwarf. I've had a few of these. All I remember the first ones I got, I put them in the little dram vials. I was like a little worried. It, it, they were kind of new to the hobby then. There wasn't as much on them as I would have preferred. And I set them up and I'm like, oh God, I hope these things do okay. And I remember at the time, they were really teeny tiny slings. and I was worried about feeding them live prey. And I dropped in, all three of them dropped in little red runner roaches that as soon as I dropped them, I'm like, oh no, those are going to be too big. Nope, I was wrong. They blasted out of there, grabbed those red runner roaches, subdued them, pulled them. And we had talked earlier about like my P. Murin, so I enjoy watching it hunt from its webbing, pulled the, the prey back into the webbing and consumed it. It was awesome to watch. And that behavior didn't stop, even though I had two males and a female at the time. The males ate great right up until the point where they matured male. And continued to eat well. My female ate great until she unfortunately died. I'm still not sure what happened to her. It's one of those mystery deaths that still kind of haunts me. But I do have a new one now. Hoping it's going to be a lady. We'll see. Raised up for this, from a tiny sling. I remember getting it going, oh man, I forgot how small these guys are when they first start out. But like my other ones, it ate like a champ. I didn't have to feed it pre-killed. I would drop in items. Worry that they were too big. Nope, this thing would bust out of the web and grab them. I remember one time, which one of my favorite ones, I never, I almost never tong feed. And I had a roach by the back of its legs and I turned to get my phone because I was going to try to get a feeding video and I must have let the roach dip too close to the webbing. And this thing burst out. I turn around. I just see its little butt go back into its web den and the cricket's gone. It ran right out, grabbed it and took it from me. So they're super fast. And again, I enjoy, they kind of remind me of this in the same way and as the Diplurdi species who are fast, they web up a lot, and this is the D. diamantinensis, is a heavy webber. They web up a lot, and they blast out of that webbing and grab it. It's almost like the jack-in-the-box, too, sometimes, because sometimes I don't know where mine is when I go to feed her, so I drop a prey item in, and I just watch and wait to see where she's going to burst from, and she always inevitably bursts out, grabs that thing, and disappears back in. So, really good eater. She is one that one time the roach started climbing up the side of the, it was climbing the webbing up the side of the enclosure, and she went out and grabbed it on the lip of the enclosure, which was fantastic to see. But it could have been a close call had that roach ended up climbing out of the container. She could have went right over following it. So D, diamantinensis. They're quick. They're hungry. They're great eaters. They're definitely a species that to check out if you want a beautiful spider that eats well and has a good feeding response. So while putting this list together, one of the things I was struggling with is A, I didn't have many fossorials on it. The thing with fossorials is they can be great hunters, but because they spend most of their time in their burrows, you don't see them eat very often. And it's mostly just, I'm sure they're amazing hunters, but you just don't always witness it. And then the other thing was, I realized I didn't have many arboreals on it. So luckily what I did is I kind of walked around the room and I looked at all my arboreals and then one of them immediately, one species immediately jumped up at me. Now, again, the genus as a whole, I've had a lot of good luck with, with them eating, but I have found that some of the smaller ones when they're little won't take the larger prey items. They tend to shy away from them. This one, I never had any problems with this one as the first one I had. And then my other five that I've been raising up, no problems with whatsoever. Next one on the list is my Salmopeus cambridgei or Trinidad Chevron. 
my first Trinidad Chevron or my first Salma PS Cambridge Eye, I actually got and negotiated to get as a freebie. I've shared this story before. I love this girl. But she has always been an amazing eater. She was one of those spiders that even though she was kind of living fossorially first, she had webbed around her cork bark around the area. And she was one that I, I would purposely drop crickets in away from her and watch her kind of, she'd sense it were there and she'd curl out from around the back of her cork bark and sit there for a second and then bolt across and grab it. It was so much fun to watch. And she was one of my fastest growing tarantulas ever. I believe she hit almost five inches in the first year, four, four to five inches around there. Big, big spider, a lot of growth rate, a uh, quick growth weight, and has always been a great eater. I was feeding her the other day and she's one of the ones that'll sometimes catch them out of the air when you throw them in there which is again a lot of fun I do have pokies that will catch them out of the air but the thing with the pokies and why I will tell you right now a pokey doesn't make it to the list is because although they're great eaters I often don't get to see them eat they usually hide their shire spiders so even I'd say the best one of my bunch is probably my P regalis but she hides behind her cork bark hide and then will come out and hunt after I drop a bunch of crickets in she'll grab them but I normally don't see it because she hunts from her burrow but my P Cambridge eye is always out in the open and so when I feed her now I take the top off her enclosure she's always right there to eat if I drop them on the ground I've watched her go to the ground hunt them down on the ground chase them around the enclosure just again awesome feeding response and the other five that I've raised up I've had the same experience with they ate great as little babies they did their little thing with I put up the cork bark and basically allowed them to go behind the cork bark where they created the little burrow area webbed around they will come out of that to hunt come right out in the open and I did have a male once chase again went to go for a cricket overshot the cricket almost ended up out of the enclosure was sitting right at the end and I just kind of gave it like blew on it a little bit real quick and he went back in but another one that obviously was showing off that really good feeding response so definitely the uh, sadly I believe it's the looking at my list the only arboreal to make the list but that's not to say other people I have other Samopia species like for example my P. Vittori would probably be one that could make the list that one hunts really well but again that one kind of stays in its burrow a little bit more it doesn't venture out as much the reason why the P. Cambridge makes it on this list is because of the fact she's right out in the open. She doesn't hide ever. She doesn't have a burrow anymore. She didn't remake one when she got into the enclosure she's in now. And as a result, I get to watch her hunt and eat all the time. So P. Cambridge definitely my big girl, one of my best. And so are the little ones I have left. I've unfortunately already had two mature males, but I have three more left. I'm hoping two females and one male, and they all do the same thing. So next up, we have another hobby staple and another tarantula that makes it onto a lot of best beginner species lists, although this is one you need to be aware that A, they can be fast for people who are used to working with slower spiders, and they can be a bit skittish. They can have great food response. It can also be a little scary. And I've had ones that went through, I, the last two females I raised that passed away recently actually went through a rather long stretch of about three or four years or so where they kicked a lot, a lot of hairs were kicked. I'm talking about my Chromatopelma cyanial pubicins or Green Bottle Blue or GBB for short. These guys, I think for a lot of us, are our first awesome eating tarantulas. I know that I had an LP that I thought was going to be, uh, you know, one of my big eaters, but my LP, when I first got it as a sling, like the burrow, it hunted out of its burrow. I didn't catch it out hunting all that much. So I didn't really get to see the the violence, so to speak. My pubicins, on the other hand, was one that would, again, another one of those species that likes the web and will use that webbing as an extension of its senses. So it would, I remember my first two I got would web up their enclosures. You'd put a prey at them in and you'd watch this thing come from where its burrow was and start scrambling out, try to figuring out, try to figure out where the prey was coming from before finally bursting out with speed, grabbing and subduing the prey at them. And I used to have a blast 
feeding mine, especially when they hit the juvenile stage and I gave them a little bit of extra room. They had webbed up the whole enclosure. They had like this whole, they took the cork bark and the fake foliage on a cork bark and webbed all around it. And you'd sometimes not even know where the spider was and it would come bursting out and grabbing it like the D. diamantinensis. Sometimes the spider would be sitting right there. And again, I dropped the spider at the opposite side of the enclosure to watch them hunt because they will actively chase down the prey. They are not stationary hunters. They have no problem bolting across an enclosure to get something. Right now, I'm raising up another sling to replace my females. Hopefully I get a lady. And I have it in a 20-ounce deli cup. And I fed it two days ago and I dropped the prey at them in. And for I'm like, oh, it doesn't know it's there. And then it ran all the way around the deli cup, grabbed this thing and ran back to its burrow. Just so much fun to watch. And they're beautiful. They're stunning. Kind of like the aforementioned D. diamantinensis. So GBBs, C. cyanopubicins, excellent hunters. Use They love using that speed. They can subdue. I found once they put on some size, they'll take down praetums that are a little bit larger, which again is fun because I've seen them do the old barrel roll thing, which is a blast to see. And they're on beginner's list. So folks out there that are looking for a spider, they recognize it's going to have some speed. They recognize it could have a little bit of skittishness and some attitude growing up. If you're ready for that, these guys are just an uh, amazing spider to raise up, especially when you talk about the color changes they go through. So C. Kyanopubicin is definitely one of my favorites of all time and definitely one of the best hunters I have. So up next, we have a genus of tarantula that I just got into about, oh gosh, I think it's, it's been about three years now, actually. But I avoided them for quite some time because they were super expensive. Billy finally got me one, then she got me a bunch more. I've been raising them up. I love them. And part of it is to do with the fact that they are just so much fun to watch hunt. I'm talking about Zenestis species. Now, honestly, just about every one that I keep could be on this list. So uh, what I did was I broke it down to the one that's still visible. As a baby, I have footage, I believe, of this one out there hunting and doing a barrel roll. And that's something I noticed about these guys when they were small. They all would barrel roll. They would grab the prey at them and continue rolling when they did it. It was just one of the most entertaining feedings I could ever do was feeding my Zenestis species, which is one of the reasons why I think they grew so quickly is because I was feeding them so often just because I enjoyed watching it. But my Zenestis species bright, uh, one of the ones that when it was a sling, I always had a show when I fed it. They have Zenestis species. They start off as big slings and they are very, very leggy. And those with those long lithe legs comes lots of speed. They can fly. I watched one, one time it was on one end. I had an enclosure that was probably about nine inches by about six inches. The sling was on one end. I dropped the prey at him on the other end. I don't know how it knew, but it knew it was there. It sprinted across, grabbed it, and was back to its place in a blink of an eye. And that was one of the things that the Zenestis species Bright did that made this list. It also was one that would barrel roll almost every time it hunted. So what would happen is it would run up, tackle the prey at him, and roll over a couple times, end up on its back for a minute before righting itself. Obviously, feeding videos are incredibly, incredibly popular on YouTube. If you want to put something together that you're going to get a lot of different people to watch, that's where to go. And people want those really active feeding videos. It's one thing to sit there and, you know, tong feed. It's another thing to sit there and drop a couple crickets right in front of them, watch, you know, Ooh, look how cute it is. It's another thing to watch a spider sprint across an enclosure, grab a prey at them, roll over a couple times, subdue it, and then get back up like, yeah, I nailed this. And that's what I got for my Zanessa species. Now, a lot of them, they're picking up size now. I think I have a couple that are like five and a half inches or so. The, the Zanessa species bright molted 
I think two months ago, probably right around the five inch mark. She's very, still very gangly, still an active hunter. And what finally, when I was trying to figure out which the nest of species to feature for this video, it came down to her because the other day when I went to feed her, again, dropped in a cricket. She sprinted the one end, grabbed the cricket. The other one went to run away from her. She chased it down and grabbed it. It's like I wanted to clap and cheer. So, so nest of species, all of them awesome eaters. All of them grow rather quickly, especially that first year or so. Once they hit the four-inch mark, I found they slow down a little bit, but it doesn't matter. They look like big adult, you know, little versions of the adult spiders, and they're awesome hunters with a fantastic feeding response. All right, so we're down to the last two on my list, and I have to, I have to be honest. It could go either way. Honestly, it can go either way with any of these, but this is, I, there's a reason I gave number one, number one. I'll explain it when I get to it. And the next two, I will also say, are two genera that almost every species in that genera could be on the list. But I settled with on this number two spot. It came down to, I was trying to figure out which of the three species to pick. I went with Theraphosa. Whole genus is amazing. And I'm going to go with T. blondie. The T. apophysis could be on this list. And I am growing up another T. sturmi that's also bonkers when it comes to hunting. They're all, they everything I said about Zanesta species kind of falls in line with the Theraphosa. I've had T. blondies. They're, they're as slings, the blondies, the apophysis, and the sturmies as slings, much like the Zanesta species. Very leggy, very large, very gangly, and very, very fast. That was the one thing that really blew my mind a bit when I first raised up my first Theraphosa slings was the fact that all you heard about was how big they got and how long their fangs were and how bad their hairs were. Nobody mentioned how fast they can move. Even as adults, I watched the adults, a nine-inch spider almost teleport from one end of the enclosure to the other. But I'm going to go with T. Blondie on this one. Again, just like with the Zanestis, I've had them sprint across enclosures to hunt. I've had them barrel roll. They are fast. They are leggy. They get big fast. I've seen my favorite thing to do with the Blondies is, especially when they were younger, was to drop in three or four crickets at a time and watch them sprint around that enclosure, grabbing them all. They don't just sit there and wait for them to come to them. They'll grab a couple, recognize one's over there, drop one, go over, grab another, bounce over, grab another, and they're bouncing around, teleporting around the enclosure in a blink of an eye so and once they start putting on size that becomes even more impressive because they don't really lose that speed they're still quite fast so I remember a five inch one springing out of its den grabbing a roach bouncing almost out of the enclosure when it went back to its den it missed the den it went over on the edge and then finally going back in the den and it was all within like a blink of an eye so theraphosa species they get a lot of attention obviously for being the some of the largest spiders out there they get a lot of attention for the hairs. They get a lot of attention for the fact that a lot of people think they're more difficult to keep, which I really don't think they are. But the one thing that doesn't always get the attention is the speed. And if you mix that speed with, again, an awesome, awesome feeding response. I mean, these guys are big. So you have to reckon that in the wild, they're going to be taking down anything that comes by and they're going to grab it quickly. Like I can imagine any you know, little field mouse running about, bam. I know that the bird eater thing is kind of exaggerated because they're really not going in trees, but hey, maybe bird drops out of the nest or grab them. I don't know. They're just big spiders that can move. They can hunt. There's an awesome day. Those fangs, that's the other thing. You're talking about something with a good feeding response. When you see them like pull those fangs out to grab a roach, it's impressive. So you're talking about a huge spider that hits like a truck, that moves fast, that eats large prey items. How can you get any cooler than that? So Theraphosa, the whole genus kind of works out here. We're going with T. Blondie for this one. I love feeding my Blondies. I've loved feeding them since they were little teeny tiny slings when they were juveniles, young adults, and now big beefy females. Just 
easily some of the best feeding responses out there, some of the best, best growth rates out there, some of the biggest sizes out there, a lot, of love, a lot to love in these spiders. So finally, we come to the end of this list, the last one on the list, which is my number one for the moment, but there's a reason for it. This is a speech that anybody's listened to my podcast or watched my videos or heard me talk. You probably know what genus is coming up next, and it's one that I've championed for years, and it was partly the reason I made it my number one is I remember watching these guys hunt for the first time being absolutely utterly blown away and over the years I've had other folks tell me the same thing like man I have never seen a spider attack a prey item with uh, like this with this much violence and intensity so in case you haven't guessed already we're going to be talking about a spider in the genus Formictopus and for this one, I'm going for the Hobby Classic, the one that started it all for me, the one that I do think that some of the gruff it gets for being a particularly defensive species probably it can be attributed or partially attributed to the fact that some of them are just ornery, but they have great feeding responses. For Mictibus, Cancerides just comes to mind when I think of Animals are tarantulas with excellent feeding responses. I've raised up, I believe, five. Well, if you count the, the quote unquote purples, I think seven of these guys over the years. And they also, they start off as these little blue slings that are absolutely gorgeous, but these little blue slings hit like trucks. And again, like the previously mentioned Therophosa and Zanessis, I've had them go out, grab stuff and barrel roll. I think what impressed me early on with mine is mine would take down prey items. I remember when I first got mine, I was having a hard time finding smaller crickets. So I ended up grabbing, they weren't large, but they were Decent sized crickets, and I remember dropping these crickets in to feed my Formictopus and watching these slings wrestle these things down. We're talking like one of them, it was probably stupidly big. I should not have dropped it in there, but by the time I dropped it in, I went, uh oh, this is probably too big. They went in a death match. That thing, that sling sprinted across the enclosure, grabbed it, rolled over. The cricket kicked it, flipped them over. The spider flipped themselves back over the other way, back and forth. Finally, it subdued it, sat there, ate that whole thing, filled up almost on one meal. They're just great eaters, great feeding responses. As adults, mine, I love feeding them. Now, I found that with mine, honestly, they're kind of like pet rocks when they get older. Mine aren't particularly defensive or... Ornery, when I open up the enclosures, they kind of just sit there calmly, but as soon as they detect food is there, boy, do they open up. And that's when they start chasing things around. They grab those crickets up, scoop them into their fangs, run around the enclosure trying to find other ones. So even as adults, straight from slings to adulthood, these guys, for me at least, have been amazing eaters. Now, some of the other Formictopus species, just as my species green femurs all ate really well, my species violets or purples, excuse me, Dominican purples, all eat really well. My erratus, the erratus that I had were a little more shy and I had to feed them smaller prey items. They burrowed a lot more and I didn't get to see them as much. So they weren't as much. And some of the newer ones I've got have been great eaters. So the majority of Formictus species are going to be fantastic eaters. They Spiders, I think I've explained it before, they eat great, they grow super fast, they can hit four or five inches in the first year. Again, they slow way down after that, kind of like the Zanesta species, but they continue to eat very, very well, and they'll take down larger prey, they'll barrel roll, they'll sprint and run, they'll do all kinds of cool things that anybody that enjoys watching our eight-legged fuzzy friends eat would get an absolute kick out of. So my number one 
is definitely for Mictibus Concerides, just because again, that was the one that started it all off of me growing, you know, growing up these heavy hitting large spiders with excellent feeding responses. So there you have it. There is my list. However, you may think we're done. We're not because I screwed up and I missed one. There was, I'm, I'm sitting here and I said something in the last one about how we sometimes mistake their propensity to be really, have a really good feed drive with defensiveness. And there was another species that I plan on talking about because I do think this is in the, a lot of times the case for this spider. Acanthoscuria geniculata. I cannot do this list without including A. geniculata, the Brazilian black and white. It was actually supposed to be before C. cayenopubicans. And this could be anywhere on the list because I think a lot of folks will tell you theirs are awesome eaters. Mine have been awesome eaters. Now, the one that I picked up as a sling, again, it's I started off as a baby. Even as a small baby, it was taking down live prey. And I had it in the little... 20 inch inch deli cup with a lot of moss. For some reason, I put an extra lot of moss in there, a little hidey hole, you know, a little cork bark hide. It never used it, filled it in, and I would drop a braid them in. This thing would bounce over, grab it, and go right back to the middle every single time. And even now, it's I would just rehouse it. I just did a video on it. I went to feed it the other day in its new large and larger enclosure, and it didn't get the roach right away, but it chased the roach and grabbed it. So they are awesome eaters. They're known for being awesome eaters. And this was the species I was alluding to earlier that a lot of us that keep it think that they get a reputation for being defensive wherein what people are seeing are those feeding responses and of course if we go back to Jennifer's original statements and questions she has one that exhibits those behaviors it's got such a good feeding response that she can't get into the enclosure to do what she needs to do without it attacking tongs without it probably attacking the water whatever it may be so I think right there is an example of why this species for a while at least had a reputation for being a bit defensive and I think part of it was also because they're so easy to raise up and they're such a great spider a lot of folks will will rally behind the idea that this is the perfect pet spider for a myriad of reasons but i think that a lot they got that reputation for a while because a lot of the people that were picking them up were newer to the hobby were expecting your typical beginner species you know your slower growing ones and then they get this monster that's eating like a machine it's got a great feeding response it's growing quickly and that tends to freak people out so definitely should be on the list i think i had it in at number five or so we'll call it number five can't discourage geniculati. You can't do a list of the ones that eat great, have good feeding responses without putting that one on there, especially in lieu of our original question. So that's the list of the ones I had. I do encourage anybody to chime in with the ones they have. I'm sure we'll get some ones that we haven't, you know, seen or don't normally think of as being great, having great feeding responses. I think the thing is, it could be any spider. I've, I've, I'm, I'm sure there are folks out there. I have two Brocky Pelma Smithy that I've, they are fantastic hunters. So. It can depend on, again, the specimen. That's what we talked about in the beginning. But those are the ones I have. And I'd be curious to hear which ones you have. Now, to go, the other questions, it won't be as long as this discussion because I, I kind of have some quick ideas about it. But thoughts on how you manage a species with an intense feeding response without it bolting out of its enclosure. And remember, Jennifer goes on to talk about how it's her aginiculata that was trying to come out. It'll attack when she's trying to fill the water dish. So I think one thing to remember is, number one, and we'll get to the cages and the enclosures because I think that's important as well. But number one, if you have a spider that you think has that propensity to do that, be careful where you feed it. If it's on a shelf, put it on the floor. If it's on a table, make sure you have a basin around it to catch it. Because usually what happens if they overshoot, they realize it's not like they overshoot and go sprinting out in the room. Where's the food? They stop and they eventually realize, oops, I'm not in a safe place. And usually they'll freeze up. 
they're not going to come out charging at you, but you don't want a situation where the spider charges out and hits the floor. So when you're feeding this one or anyone that has that really good where you've had a situation where they bolted out and that can happen, make sure it's in a spot where the spider is going to be safe. Now, if you have a spider that is so food motivated that every time you open that enclosure, it thinks it's feeding time and you can't do remove boluses, you can't do the water dish. I, like Jennifer says here, even when she feeds it and fills it with crickets, it still will go at her thinking there's more crickets to be had. In that case, there's a couple things you can do. The easiest thing to do, have a nice big plastic cup or some type of a plastic container. And when the spider's got the crickets in his mouth, drop the container right on the top of it, put something on it that's weighted, keep it in there. I've used that before. I used to use that back in the day when I was, my, believe it or not, my G. Porteri, the queen, used to have an amazing feeding response. So sometimes I'd go in and clean boluses out of her webbing and she'd spring across the enclosure at me. And then I shared how I went to hold her and I got a feeding response on her. So when I went to do stuff to her enclosure, what I would do is drop a big uh, glass cup over the top of her, which had some weight to it. And usually what will happen is it settles them right down. They're usually not trying to push their way out of it. But just in case, if you're using something that's, thinner or lighter you can stack something on it so the spider can't get out and then you can go and do what you got to do that's probably the safest and smartest thing you can do i've also used cardboard before where i've had things like certain species that will bolt out of their burrows and i will block off the burrow so that i can work so use something to obstruct the spider to keep it from getting out of the enclosure now the other thing to do you're obviously going to want to be very careful when you're feeding your spider to make sure that you don't allow it any means of escape. So whatever you're using, if you're using something that has a top that lifts like on a hinge, open it just a little bit, drop the cricket and close it. Let it grab the crickets first or whatever you're using. Drop a couple in, let it hunt, get it to its thing, then open it, put the cup over it. That's the trick. Don't open the enclosure completely if you can avoid it. If you have a sliding one, slide it open just a little bit, enough for you to get a pair of tongs in there and drop a couple crickets in, close it up, let it hunt. When it grabs the food, then you open the thing up, put the cup over it, get to work. That's going to be, I think, the trick to making sure that you and the spider are both safe while you're doing this. Because once they've got the crickets and they start doing their little happy dance, they're usually very easy to cup. They're not going to be sprinting out. They may start a little bit and jump when you put the cup over them. But usually what will happen is they'll continue webbing up their crickets and they'll eat. And then you can do what you need to do. So that's what I think your best bet is to carefully, if you're going to continue to use this enclosure, and I'll talk about other enclosure ideas in a moment, slide, if it's ones I'm thinking, I have a couple that have the sliding tops, slide open just enough to drop the crickets in, put a few of them in, let it hunt. Once it's hunted, open the thing all the, up all the way, drop the container on top of the spider. You can even hold it with one hand while you use your other hand, but just make sure it can't get out, do what you need to do. Take the cup off of it, slide it back shut. You should be good to go. Now, third one, are there different types of terrariums that you've experienced with that would suit a food-motivated species? I can tell you a couple things not to use or to be careful using. Number one, if you have one that opens from the front, don't open those front doors. If you have any of the exoterra ones, don't open the front doors to feed one that could burst out of its enclosure. That's just asking for problems. I've seen videos where people have done that, where they go to feed something, it overshoots the front of the enclosure, ends up on the floor dead. You don't want to do that. Use the top. So if you're using exoterras, definitely use the top. The sliding ones. It's funny you mention that because I've had a couple situations where a spider has tried to get out of the enclosure and I have the sliding ones and I mistakenly took the sliding top all the way off. What happens with the sliding ones, usually they have to go into grooves. And if you take the top completely off, it can be really difficult to line up those grooves and get that thing shut in a timely manner if the spider decides it's going to try to run out. And usually when a spider tries to run out, it's chasing prey and it's doing so quickly. So there's not enough time to act. So like I said earlier, if you're using a 
sliding top one. The trick is to only open it wide enough for you to get the food in. Wait till it's preoccupied with the food for a bit. Open it up the rest of the way. Cup it. I try to be careful which spiders I put in the ones. I have a few of the ones that have the track. Like one of them, it's just the perf, the perforated aluminum. And it has like the frame on it and the frame slides into the top. And I have a couple of those. And then I have the ones that I have my depleted species in that have the plastic with the wire mesh in the middle of it. And those have to slide in on a track. That can be a little tricky. And that's one of the spiders once it almost overshot it. That wouldn't have been a good thing. So you want to be very careful with those. Worst case scenario. I mean, the problem is. It's tricky to get them in in a heartbeat. So what you can do is take the thing completely off, set it on the top. That can sometimes work. And then once the spider is preoccupied, then you line it up and slide it. But the best thing to do is try to, again, get the spider preoccupied with the food before trying to slide it shut. Now, as far as enclosures that are would be great for spiders like that, the barbarous growth or reptile growth ones that I use would be probably fantastic for it because they have that little feeding hatch in the side. And then they have the big opening on the top, but the opening is framed. So a lot of times when spiders come out of a top where there's no top on the thing, they'll crawl right over the edge. This has a lip to it. So even if a spider climbs the side, they're going to hit that little edge there and it'll keep them in a little bit longer. And that top part is hinged. You can open it a little bit, throw something in. Or like I said earlier, they have the hatches on the side that you can sit there, open the hatch, pop a couple crickets in, wait till your spider's preoccupied, then open the hatch on the top and do what you need to do. So those would be good ones. Anything with a feeding hatch, you could create your own feeding hatches if that's something you're worried about. There's stuff out there that shows how you can do that with plexiglass tops or whatever. But if you're looking for something that, again, top opening, because you're doing what you need to do. Having the top opening one is makes all the difference in the world. I know it came out. I know it caused a little scare, but that's more preventable than the front opening ones where I think you have more of a chance of them running out. But barbarous growth immediately comes to mind of being one that would fit what you're looking for because it has that top opening, it has ventilation around the side, it has that little feeding hatch that you could use, and that would work great. Things that I may shy away from, people are going to probably want to kill me on this one, but if you have one that you know you're going to have to open and close that enclosure in a hurry, be careful with the acrylic ones with the sliding tops. If that's what you're talking about, if it's one of the acrylic ones, be careful because the acrylic can warp, the tops can warp, and what you end up with is a situation where it may slide open easy, but then you go to close it and it gets jammed up, and I've had that happen with the acrylic ones before. I had that happen with, as a matter of fact, one of my Formictopus species Dominican purples, where she had just molted, she was super hungry, I opened it up a few inches, went to drop in some crickets, and she scooted and went almost up and out, and I couldn't close the thing in time. And had I tried to put extra force, it could have slammed on the spider and killed it. So be very careful if you're using the acrylic sliding top ones. If you have... My thing is, if you have a spider that you know you're going to need to close it in a hurry, I would probably be inclined to avoid putting a spider that has that good feeding response or might bolt into one of those because of that issue. And I can tell you once I took a lid all the way off and was trying to get the lid back on and the lid was getting jammed and the spider was getting spooked and the spider was starting to run around, it was kind of a, a nightmare. So if it's one of those, I think when you were talking, I was I was thinking some of like the Zoom, Reptazoo makes the ones that with the sliding with the perf and a couple of the other ones. But if you're talking about the acrylic ones, yeah, that's... That's tricky because once they warp, they warp. You can sometimes flip the tops over and it warps the other direction. It'll slide a little more smoothly unless it has like one of those little handle grips on it. Once it warps, it warps. They are tough to get shut. They're going to leave you in a predicament where that spider could escape. So heads up there for anybody, honestly. I love those enclosures. And just so you know, I have, oh boy, several, probably a couple dozen of the 
acrylic enclosures. I do love them. I do use a lot of them. But as I've become more experienced with using them, as I've seen some of their limitations and some of the cons of using them, and that's something I'm Billy and I are still working on my list of all the enclosures I've used. That's one of the big cons is the fact if they warp a certain way and you have one of those slide-in tops with the magnets, it can be very difficult to get them open and shut in a hurry, which can leave you in a situation where the spider bolts, spider's out, and you can't get the the cage shut. So that's that would be my recommendations to you if you're going to use if you are using one of those and you're having problems getting the cage shut in time or whatever look at one of the hinge ones Larx plastics makes ones with the hinge top they're a little pricey but you have that hinge top that you can open the top slightly throw your crickets in do what you need to do what i was describing earlier with just opening it a little bit throwing the crickets in and then carefully closing it waiting till it eats and putting the cup over it could be difficult with a enclosure where it's jamming up so if that's the issue i don't know if it is but that's something to think about but for anybody out there just have that in your mind they're beautiful they look great there's a lot of companies out there making absolutely stunning ones and definitely check them out but do have that in the back of your mind that that could become an issue so that would be my advice to you. Something that a top that would move smoothly if it's going to be a sliding one. Something with a top that opens with a hinge might be easier. The barber's growth, reptile growth, those enclosures are fantastic for what you're looking at there for something that you can get into. It affords you limited, you know, way to drop the crickets in without having to open the whole thing up. But then when you need to open it up, you can open the top. But that would be my recommendation. That would be an, that's what I would encourage people to look for. Something that opens from the top, not from the front. Something that opens and closes easily. And then use those techniques techniques I just talked about to ensure that the spider doesn't get out. So, Jennifer, thank you so much for the question. I do hope that answers. I do hope other people get something out of it. Because I think that's something we don't talk about a lot. And I've had this situation where you're trying to feed a really skittish or very food motivated spider and you can't get the enclosure open or closed quickly, that can be a nightmare. So I do think it's good that people are actually thinking about this, recognizing, all right, you know, you may find Jennifer that I don't know what you have it in. Perhaps you can respond to comment or an email and give me more information. We could hop back on it next podcast. But if it's, if, if you've got something that doesn't allow you to open and close that quickly, that could be a problem. It may be worth it to rehouse and put something else a little more laid back in that one. That would be my advice. All right, so that should do it for this episode. I do have one small announcement I would like to make, though. My buddy, Luis Roquet, who, if you guys remember, we had an awesome interview years back. Well, over the years, he has run a website called Arachnido that is essentially dedicated to arachnid taxonomy. And so his mission says dedicated to taxonomic data and systematics in arachnology. So all of those awesome papers about tarantula and scorpion and true spider taxonomy that's going out there the name changes the new species they're all on his site i love it i mean i'm a geek when it comes to this stuff so i love going on these sites reading these these papers so if you're a serious hobbyist that likes that kind of stuff and everybody should and it's a great way to stay abreast of all the changes there in the hobby i would implore you to check him out at arachnidotaxonomy.com that's a r a c n i d o t a x o n o m y.com i think that's the first time i've ever spelled out a whole word on this before I'll put a link to it in the actual description of this one. But I know Luis has moved this one around. He had a website for a while. He actually had a podcast, which I wish he had kept doing. I hope you're hearing this, Luis. You need to get back to that. But it was awesome. But he 
created the website and he's bounced around on various social media platforms. I don't think Luis is particularly fond of social media, which I can definitely identify with because I try to stay off of it for the most part. I know I'm on YouTube or whatever, but I'm not on Facebook almost at all. Instagram, I basically just post pictures and look at memes and giggle. I, d- I don't do a lot of that stuff. He was on Twitter, which is now X, and that still got my mind blown. But now he's got his own dedicated website, which, Luis, you better stick with it, buddy. I'm totally kidding. You know I love you, but this is a great, great, great resource for anybody interested in the hobby that wants to take it to that other level. I sit there and I talk about how to keep them and stuff around the home. This is the real stuff. This is the science behind it. So please check out Arachnido if you're so inclined join you can get notifications you get like he sends out emails i think it's like once a week or so with different stuff so many cool resources on it that's it for me guys as always you can find me at thomasbigspiders.com you can find me on thomasbigspiders the podcast everybody stay safe no youtube video this week i have to be honest i didn't put one up if you're wondering about that we just had a lot going on we had a concert last night we went to go see him on marth and ghost fantastic concert overall even if you don't like ghosts it was impressive to see how many how popular they've become and then Amata Marth is just amazing and it was a great uh, great audience for them as well I'm done talking I gotta go get a drink and it's almost dinner time guys stay safe catch you all next time